0: Hello. (laughs) I invite you to uh, pray with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you, dear God, for this day and this time that we've just blocked aside to have corporate worship. We thank you for those moments throughout the day and throughout the week where we have individual worship, but we gather together as a family on Sunday evenings to worship you. And we thank you that we live in a country that we're able to do that freely in Christ's name, amen. Amen. The story of the healing of the man that was lame in the reading that uh, lisa just gave for us is is really a story of a journey in faith experience it's a trip from petitioning to praising from petitioning to praising and one of many questions one could ask of this text and all texts in the bible is what made the difference What mattered the most in this story? Peter and John, two disciples of Christ, went to the temple for the three o'clock hour of prayer. And like many worshipers today, the text really suggests that they went as a matter of habit or even as a matter of custom. They didn't announce that they would preach or perform any miracles upon their arrivals. They were going to the temple really just to share in the regular prayer meeting, kind of like what we do on Sunday evenings when we come here. It's interesting to note that these two individuals have such different personalities, Peter and John, and yet they were going together. Uh, any of you remember the story of Martha and Mary in the Bible? One is like the busy bee, and the other one is just kind of worshiping Jesus. That's the same dynamic that happened with Peter and John. Peter is like the more practical, dynamic, go-getter and doer of things. That's Peter. And John is more like this idealistic, the poet, the, the dreamer, just two opposite individuals. But yet they're walking together in fellowship, yet they're walking in together in fellowship to go and pray and as I read that in the text I said maybe this offers some hope for the nations around the world. Maybe this offers some hope for people of different races. Maybe this offers some hope for those of varying orientation. Maybe this offers some hope for people in the world of various social or economic backgrounds. Not only though are Peter and John as different as could be, but they were walking together. Another point of interest is that Peter and John were prayer partners. Peter and John were prayer partners. They were going to the temple to P-R-A-Y. And I need to make a distinction between P-R-A-Y and (laughs) P-R-E-Y. They were prayer partners. I heard a preacher say many years ago that every one of us should have six people who will drop everything to drop us. Did you get that? All of us need to have six people who will drop everything to drop us. Now that speaks about the end of life. But while we're living, I think every person of faith should have a prayer partner. Especially those of us who say we're people of faith. A a prayer partner, prayer pal, someone with whom you can call almost any time and ask them to join you in prayer or hold space with you for a particular situation. I'm told that people, I don't know how to play bridge, but, and I don't know how to play poker, but I'm told that people who play bridge and play poker, they have partners. They have certain people with whom they play. And I have found in my life, that having a, listen to this, swole mate, not soul mate, swole mate makes working out a little more fun. Having a swole mate keeps me dedicated to going to the gym. Having a swole mate helps me to reach my fitness goals because I push my partner and my partner pushes me. Now, any of you no, Rebecca, sometimes we work out together and you know, we're both just really, really competitive. So it's just like, oh, you want to do 125? I'm going to do 130. You want to do 140? I'm going to do 150. That's what a soulmate does for you. They push you positively to reach your goal. So I want to ask you a question. This is a personal question. Don't even nod, just look down on the ground. Do you have a prayer partner? Do you have someone that you, you can meet with and you can confide in? They're, they're friends of mine, and this is a true confession, that know me better than my family because they're, they're soulmates. I can tell them anything and it will not change their opinion of me. Do you have a prayer partner? It might be a spouse, it might be a friend, it might be a coworker, it might be a neighbor, it might be a sibling, it might be a person of this faith community, it might be a person of another faith community. You have someone that you can call and say, I just need to vent. I just just need someone to hold space with me. I just need someone to pray for me. Peter and John, different in style and personality, yet they were prayer partners, went to the temple at an unusual time for an afternoon prayer. At the beautiful gate, they met a group of friends carrying a disabled person. These friends were taking their friend to the temple or bringing their friend to church. I got really convicted as I read this text. Because the image got me to thinking about how often I, and this is just me, how often I come to church alone. My Jeep can comfortably fit five adults. And if I have some adventurous people, I could fit two more in the back in the storage area. But I usually come to church alone. And so this year, my aim is to find someone, not just to invite, but to bring to church with me. These friends were carrying this friend to the temple. These friends brought their friend to the temple every day. And he was a beggar, he was a beggar as well as a cripple. Begging was a necessary activity for him because he couldn't work. There were no public relief funds available for him. There was no SSI, Social Security, no workers' compensation, no stimulus check, no disability, no unemployment. He had none of those. There was no Salvation Army. There was no YMCAO institutions providing work for differently-abled persons. He saw the only way to obtain the things that he needed was by begging. But this was a wise man because he had his friend picked out the most profitable spot in Jerusalem to do his trade, begging for money at the most attractive gate at the temple. For if any people should be concerned about the needs of people, it ought to be people of faith ought to be people who go to church, right? If anyone should listen to the cry of the needs, one would suppose they can find that kind of person in a place of worship, right? One can suppose you would
1: find that kind of person going to church. Because
0: can we genuinely pray and neglect the needs of those around us? How how do I do that? How do I pray to God and ignore the unhoused person at the church door? How do I do that? How do I walk into the temple to pray while ignoring the cry of the needs of the people at the church door? How do I do that? Peter and John saw And they heard the beggar plea for money. And as hard as it was to say this, a preacher of mine, a friend of mine once said, and I'm going to say this. Y'all can call a new search committee after I'm done. But the preacher said, there are beggars outside the church, and there are beggars inside the church. People who come to church just to get something, but never to give anything. If you ask them to serve on a council, you ask them, will they attend a community building outreach program? If you ask them, will you teach a class? If you ask them, will you come and visit some of the members who are in a nursing home? No, 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 I, I can't do that. But, but. When I come to church, I want you to sing a good song so I forget about my problems. When I come to church, when when I'm sick, I want you to come and visit me in the hospital. When I come to church, I want you to preach a good sermon so I feel better. When I am absent, I want you to call and see how I'm doing. There are people who come to church just to get, but never to give. And sometimes our prayers can become so self-centered. Our words of thanksgiving can be all centered around the blessings that we have received. Like the Pharisee in the temple. I thank you, God, that I pray X amount of times. And I think that when I find myself in that place, I just say that I just haven't progressed in my spiritual experience past that gimme stage of development I'm, i'm still at the stage where i just want to receive but i don't want to give of the abundance that god has blessed me when i when i behave like that the beggar peter and john met at the gate was smart enough to know that people going to pray people going to worship are most likely in a generous mood. (laughs) So he selected an intelligent place to beg. Another obvious observation that I made in this text is that like many people today, this beggar thought that money was the answer to all of the problems that he had. At least that's the way I interpret the text. There's certainly other ways to read it. He felt that money was the answer to all of his questions and the difficulties. He he believed that money was the best gift anyone could give. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I would not turn down any of you who would feel led by the Holy Spirit to make a generous six, seven, or eight-figure deposit into my Wells Fargo Trust family account. I will even promise to tithe 15%. (laughs) Well, we all know that money is necessary for living as it really allows us to meet the basic human needs such as clothing and shelter and food. Our needs and wants are heavily tied into money, which we sometimes equate to life. So we in this capitalistic America and and many people around the world have been conditioned and even dedicate their lives to earning more money and more money and more, more. More money? No problem. Nah, you thought I was going to say more problem. More money? No problem. But money can't buy everything. Money can't buy time. Time is a fixed commodity that you and I can't add to or take away from. Money can't buy health. Some diseases can cripple to the point of depleting all of our savings. Money can't buy genuine relationships. My mama used to tell me a long time ago when I was yay high, she said, never buy your friends thought because Authentic and meaningful relationships can't be bought. Money can't buy character and integrity and loyalty and trustworthiness. Being a person with a clear conscience and good morals can't be bought. It can be taught. Money can't buy emotional well-being. Money can't buy knowledge or true love. Been there, done that, (laughs) and even got the T-shirt for it. Money can't buy passion, money can't buy true happiness. Having more money can be essential, but it can also provide just some things. You say, Kenneth, if it's not the money that would make the difference in this man's life, if it, if it wasn't his race, if it wasn't his culture, if it, if it wasn't his educational background, what made the difference in this man's life? I, I, I want to offer that it was his faith. His faith. His faith made the difference. The faith of the disabled beggar helped him to progress from a place of begging to praising. Now between the two, praying and or begging and praising, there's this huge gulf, this huge gulf. But if a gulf that must be crossed by all of us, begging and praising, it's got to be crossed if, if faith is to be a reality or a real growing experience for each of us. Get up and walk, Peter said. I love the phrase in the text where Peter looks at him and says, look on us. And in modern day vernacular, you could say, Peter said, I see you. I see you. How many times have I walked by? And not even turned my head to look. The man was probably accustomed to people just walking by and him telling them to look down here, but instead Peter and John said, look up here. Look on us, I see you, I see you. Here's a challenge for you and me this week. Don't
1: miss anyone that you pass. School, work, your
0: neighborhood. I was playing this game with myself as I was going through the airport the other day, and I was intentionally looking at people. Because sometimes, you know, I, I'm the only one in here that's ever done this, but sometimes when I'm flying, even if I'm not listening to anything, I put my hair plugs in because I just don't want to be bothered. <laughs> but I, was, I wanted to say, I see you. And then I took it another step higher. I said, I want to see that person the way God sees them. I don't want to see you as a gender. I don't want to see you as a race. I don't don't want to see you as an American. I want to see you as God sees you. Peter said, look on us. I see you.
1: I see you. And then Peter says, get up and walk.
0: I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I need someone to remind me to do what I already know I need to do. Does that make any sense? I, I need someone to do it. Get up and walk. Get up and speak truth to life. Get up and stand up for what's right. Get up and refuse to be silenced.
1: Get up. Get up. Is there something in your life that you need to get up and do?
0: Is there something in your life that you need
1: to get up and walk away from? Get up!
0: There's no special hocus-pocus incantation used by Peter. Just in the name of Jesus, get up. And maybe, maybe no one here, but maybe someone in Zoom that's listening today who has faith but needs to be encouraged to get up. Get up! Get up out of doubt. Get up out of worry and hatred. Get up out of anger and fear. Get up out of the I can't mindset. I won't, I don't have what it takes. I can't make a difference. I, get up!
1: It was a faith, I believe, of the beggar
0: that mattered in the faith of Peter and John. You know, we live in this advanced technological age where we're accustomed to pushing a button, and things happen. And like you, I enjoy that. But scripture
1: declares that without faith, it's
0: impossible to please God. the scripture suggests that it's, it's faith that moves God. What, what do you need
1: faith for today? What do I need faith for today?
0: You need a witness? Let me just name a couple of people that demonstrated faith in the scripture.
1: The woman with the issue of blood.
0: After paying all of her co <laughs> exhausting all of her visits to her primary care, she said, by faith, if I could just reach out and, and touch,
1: if I can just get close enough to
0: touch the hem. The Canaanite woman came to Jesus begging, not for help for herself, but she came begging for her daughter who was suffering from a condition that she couldn't get help for. And Jesus turns to her, and what does Jesus say? Oh, woman of faith, be it unto you, whatever you desire. The blind man sitting at the roadside pleading with Jesus, have mercy on me,
1: faith. is what
0: got him healed. It was faith that made Noah hear the warnings about the pending storm and build, whether you believe it's historically factual or not, but build the ark. By Abraham obeyed and God and left his country, by faith Abraham offered the sacrifice. And so, Scripture suggests to me that faith makes a difference. And no wonder the poet William Bathurst wrote these words. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, though passed by every foe, that will not tremble or blink of any earthly woe that will not murmur nor complain beneath the chasing rod, but in the hour of grief and pain will lean upon its God, a faith that shines more bright and clear when storms rage without, that when in danger knows no fear and darkness feels no doubt. Oh, I, I wish I had a faith at like that. And the poet ends by saying, Lord, give me such a faith. Faith matters. Is there something that your faith needs to be encouraged to stand up and do today? Let's pray. God, these stories in the Bible are just amazing in how they connect sometimes to our life experiences. And so um, help us to process them in any way we need to in the context that we're in. In Christ's name, amen.